This is the Feminem Podcast, the official podcast of Feminem, discussing all things femme, a little bit of EM, and everything in between. I'm Jenny Beck Esme, Editor-in-Chief of Feminem. Welcome back to the podcast. We have made it to December, everyone. 2020 is almost over. We can do this. I'm really excited to bring you our next to last piece of Fixed 19 content. This is a really great talk from Dr. Joni Yeh. She's a primary care pediatrician and a clinical assistant professor of pediatrics at the Sydney Kimmel Medical College at Thomas Jefferson University. She is also a co-founder of Girl Med Media, a nonprofit supporting women in medicine. She's also a founding member of Times Up Healthcare, and she blogs at betamama.com about children's health topics and empowering parents to be okay with okay-ish parenting. I think she's pretty busy. This is a truly fantastic talk. It's called Taking a Cue from EQ. Dr. Ye uses her personal experiences and her own growth to explore self-awareness and emotional intelligence. It's really a game changer. She gives you three very specific ways to work on this. I think you're really going to enjoy. Hi, I'm Joni. I'm a pediatrician in Philadelphia, and I'm here to talk about taking a cue from emotional intelligence. But first, let's talk about the stage. Imagine an actor is on stage. She paces slowly. She takes a deep breath. She crosses her arms. And the audience is judging her, reading her character, making assumptions about her. The actor is taking cues from the audience. Are they intrigued? Are they bored? Should I speak louder, softer? The actor adjusts the audience response. But what if the actor doesn't realize that the audience is responding in a certain way? What if the actor doesn't even realize the audience is there? What if it's not even an actor? It's me, a physician, catering to an audience of nurses, lab techs, administrators, patients, students, and other doctors. Let me take you back to 2012. I was finishing residency and interviewing for a job at my hospital. After the round of interviews, I met with Dr. Sharif, the lead hiring physician. She said to me that people at my institution either loved me or hated me. Wait, what? hated me, what could I have possibly done to deserve that? After three years of multiple feedback sessions, I had no idea. I thought I was winning. How could I be so wrong? I thought I was serving up cheerful, optimistic energy. How could I invoke such vile impressions? Well, seeing my shock, Dr. Shreef asked me, do you know anything about emotional intelligence? Well, obviously I didn't. And this is what I found out. Emotional intelligence, also known as EQ, starts with self-awareness, which is an understanding of how our feelings contribute to our interaction with others. Once we have an awareness of our feelings and their impact, we can then manage those feelings to react in a better and more consistent way. 
Then we take our social awareness, which is an understanding of how others are feeling, to be more intentional in managing our work and personal relationships. So there's research in the medical field showing that EQ is associated with higher well-being and clinical performance. Overall, EQ correlates with career success, higher job satisfaction, and higher salary. It also correlates with getting the job. I did not get the job. So there I am at the end of residency, rejected by my own program, blindsided, unaware, lost. How did I even get here? Well, let me take you further back to 2010. I was a night resident when I got the call about a critical lab value, a known low white count on a patient with leukemia on the floor. I got this call at 5 a.m. Half an hour later, at 5.30, I was paged about the same patient's low hemoglobin. At 6 a.m., I was paged again about the same patient's low platelets. I said to the lab tech, don't you think it's a little ridiculous that we have to be called every morning about a known low white count that we can't do anything about? And do you think the calls about the lab values could be batched together? No, really, take this back to your supervisor. It would be a great change to the policy. Fewer phone calls for you, fewer pages for me. Win-win, right? Well, that didn't go so well with her boss or her boss's boss, who then complained about me to my boss. Let's fast forward a few months, 2011. I'm the night senior. I get a call from the intern in the ED to admit a kid with cellulitis to be started on IV clindamycin. I argue that this is not a necessary admission. Why not just discharge with oral clindamycin first? I started getting a little sassy with the intern, thinking that I had a chance of blocking the admission of bragging right that other seniors had. So then the attending got on the phone with me and reminded me of two good reasons. 11 months old and genital cellulitis. I relented, but assassination of my character in the ED did not. So these two seemingly trivial instances had big negative consequences for me. I hadn't given that much thought to them at the time, but other people thought about them. They were watching me on stage. Opinions were being formed about me, and I had no idea, no self-awareness. I failed at the first step of developing my EQ. Kind of like this CEO and founder of a fitness company. She was featured in this Marie Claire magazine. And this is what she has to say. Things were not going so well, so I sent out an anonymous survey. People wrote back with stinging comments about me as a leader. That took me down to my knees because my whole identity was wrapped up in being beloved as a boss. Wow, so I wasn't the only one struggling with self-awareness. In fact, a lot of people must struggle with this because the message to seek it is literally everywhere. It crosses cultures, religions, and philosophies. The Bible says to find the speck in your own eye first before pointing out the speck in your brother's eye. Buddha says, be a witness to your thoughts. Socrates and Plato famously taught, know thyself. And Confucius said, look within and examine yourself. So the message of self-awareness is universal. 
But how do I achieve that? Where do I take my cues from? Well, I came up with three strategies to improve my self-awareness, and I'm gonna share that today. Collecting data, getting feedback, and practicing mindfulness. I use these strategies to incre increase my self-awareness, so I'm gonna start with collecting data. In her book, Insight, Tasha Yurek describes several pillars of self-awareness, these three being among them. When we ask ourselves questions about our reactions, our patterns, and our impact, it helps us collect data, concrete data, about our behavior. Reactions. Do we behave in, a, do we behave in, uh, in certain situations consistently? Pattern, is there a pattern to how we behave and react? Impact, how are our behaviors perceived by others? In reflecting on my own answers, I realized that I do make suggestions on the fly, optimistic that I can change the world, or hospital-wide lab policy at five in the morning. So understanding this behavior, having more awareness of it, helps me learn to pause. So when I feel the bubbling of my next grand idea, Instead of just blurting it out, I've learned to stop and ask myself, is this the right moment to mention it? Is this the right audience to discuss it? It's helped me wisely choose when to talk less and smile more. <laughs> now, I didn't come up with these conclusions on my own. Remember, Dr. Sharif gave me feedback that then propelled me to examine my self-awareness. So who do we ask for feedback? And what do we ask? We can start by creating a list of people we communicate with. It's all about interactions, right? And ask us specific questions. So our su supervisors, our peers, our clinical and administrative staff, our students, and ask questions like, how am I doing in addressing patient concerns with you? How can I better convey my ideas during meetings? What can I do to improve my teaching so that you can better learn? The more we ask, the more data we can gather to better understand our self-awareness and tweak our interactions. So listening to my thoughts about me, listening to others' thoughts about me, it's a lot of data. And that brings me to the next strategy, is practicing mindfulness. It gives us the space to reflect on and process it all, right? So mindfulness, it can happen in a 60-minute yoga class, but it can be as simple as just running or driving in silence for a few minutes every day to give us time to soak in our thoughts and interactions. And I wanted to also talk a little bit about how to be mindful at work by being present and practicing gratitude. So being pre present at work Kind of like being present and focused on a single task instead of trying to toggle back and forth between multiple tasks at once. If I had been more present, I wouldn't have tried to solve the multiple phone call issue with the lab tech. I would have just stayed focused on the task at hand and taken down the lab value. If I had been more, more present with the intern in the ED, I would have just taken down notes about that emission instead of feeling annoyed at the intern and worrying about all the other emissions I have still had to see that night. So being present, practicing gratitude at work. So practicing gratitude, um, 
It helps us stay focused in the moment and build a positive interaction. If I had been more, had more gratitude, it would have looked like thanking the lab tech for calling so many times. Gratitude would have looked like thanking the intern for taking care of that baby and her family. Gratitude helps us build empathy and helps us be more sensitive to the cues of emotions in ourselves and others. It helps us be more aware of how we can respond so that everyone feels like a winner. So synthesizing all this information, it takes reflection and practice. It's like being a seasoned actor who can improvise on the spot and read the audience and maintain their poise despite a malfunctioning prop. It takes years of on and off stage rehearsals, reflecting and coaching. So it's been seven years since Dr. Sharif and I had that conversation. I'm now much more aware of my self-awareness and intentional about it. I am uh, much more considerate of how my uh, verbal and nonverbal communications make an impact on others. And I'm also keenly aware that when I'm rounding with my team and patients, I'm on stage. During meetings, I'm on stage. In my emails, I'm on stage. And in the middle of the night, as I answer the 50th page, or face an angry family at 4.55 on a Friday, I'm still on stage. And now, following the cues of emotional intelligence, I'm also equipped and empowered to win my audience. Thank you.